thinky, thirsty, and over 30. Welcome to Afternoon Army, a safe place for grown armies to dish and discover BTS. We are four ladies who just wanted to know their names and now can explain the meaning of Lachimolala. New to Army? No problem. Come along as we explore all the important business that Bongtan throws our way. Join us on the last Tuesday of every month as we hop in the clown car and drive to the circus. And stay tuned for shorter, snack-sized episodes between hosts and various correspondents. Because one thing we know is that content, well, it just keeps on coming. Hello, everyone. Hello. Hi. It's been a 24 hours. I was going to say, is there anything interesting that happened? I don't know. Like <laughs> about this week, it's July 28th for recording purposes. And yesterday, something really interesting. Mm-hmm. Some, something know. parasocially interesting. <laughs> That's a perfect way to say it. Parasocially <laughs> interesting happened yesterday. A new development. A new era yeah. has begun. Yeah. So my husband asked me last night at the dinner table if I had like seen some like US world news memes that were coming around. And I was like, no, no, JK was naked today on V Live. <laughs> so I won't be seeing any of that for at least 24 hours. Like I was I was like, aliens might be real versus JK was in bed without his shirt on, showing us his muscles and his tattoos and his piercings. I'll take JK. That's yeah. much <laughs> that has a much bigger impact on my life right now. Yeah. Maybe JK <laughs> is the alien. I mean, who knows? I hope so. Gosh, wouldn't that be great? invade Um, invade us yeah there was a meme i don't know that i saved it but there was a meme that was like who cares about aliens jk's naked on live exactly yeah exactly priorities priorities i honestly i started getting snippets of like like news on tiktok i follow like a couple news sources Uh-huh. But mostly my TikTok algorithm is BTS. Like, sure. that, I mean, just plain and simple BTS. Um, and so it was like kind of getting a couple things. And then I saw this no- another meme that was like something about world news. And I was like, listen, I don't get world news. Weverse tells me what's important. So if it's not on Weverse, <laughs> That's right. I, have, I don't have any idea what's going on. That's right. Zero. But that live was very parasocial. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said this before. I'll say it again. We will be getting a singing in the shower at some point. Oh, yeah. It, it's not even a joke anymore. No, not um, at all. Man was, pretty sure man's was naked yesterday, like in his, under his white comforter. Um, flirting, <laughs> checking, himself, checking himself out. <laughs> checking himself out, flirting, flexing, like. And also being the sweetest human on the earth, like those sure. two things together, right? Yeah, like right. it. <laughs> the duality is just like overwhelming. Yes. Um. So one of my favorite clips, one of our mutuals shared it. It was like, he's saying, you're the main character in your mm-hmm. life. Or like, you're the main character in your story. And I posted it and said, that's great that I'm the main character. However, this POV, your name situation that you're giving me <laughs> is super Delulu and I need some help. Like, you need to give me a minute to like rest because this is so overwhelming right because now. right now you're the main character in my story <laughs> yes he also at one point said someone commented like i wish i could sleep next to you and he's like what do you mean you are and i was like right Pick up friend, me. i know friend i need you to you're at like an 11 i seriously need you like a 7.5 that's like the like yeah. minimum right now requirement. Right. Because this is like requirements for life for basic survival. We need to dial yes. this back. I can't like yeah. again. We we talked about it when we talked about seven. I really think that he is the only one of the seven members that could do this, mm-hmm. um, and it not seem super over the top. Yeah, he's just a fun ball of energy Mm -hmm. and like nothing he does surprises me anymore um but like I don't know the deaths that would be caused if that was Namjoon and I'm not joking like I don't mean that lightly I'm just saying if that man was in his bed with a comforter flexing (gasps) no ma'am no no ma'am 
No. Like it just Yungi would never, unfortunately. Sadly. Sadly. JK um, doesn't take himself too seriously, and I think that's why he can pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not that I'm not saying the others are overly serious about themselves, but they it's just he's just a different different vibration altogether. Yeah. I think Gemma different. Be- I mean, we'll talk about this as we go through the book, but they just had different views of themselves in the group. And mm-hmm. so Namjoon couldn't because he's the leader. He has to like make sure that everybody's in line. So he could never do that. Like they all had different roles that they were sort mm-hmm. of like assigned themselves or that they were assigned, you know, like explicitly. And so he really is the only one that can. And we are the people that helped like shape him, Army and BTS. So we do have a really intimate parasocial relationship with him, yeah. which means we get to sleep with him while he's naked. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listen, I'm so glad that we are his safe space. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that he feels like he can be 110% himself really says something about how we and why we, not me personally, because I'm here late, but like the fandom has created like this safe space for him that he mm-hmm. really feels like he can do that. And like, Allison, you're right. Like it just hits different. Like Jin and his Jin pajamas hits a lot different than JK, like rolling around in his comforter. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like yeah. each, each are equally interesting and each are equally violent. It's just different. It's just like two mm-hmm. different things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean- to bring it back to the book like Jin showed up and was like okay let's clean this place let's make some food like I'm going to parent these six kids and so yeah he couldn't do this so speaking of the book that's why we're here tonight we're here to talk about the book thank you to Tanya who put together this amazing I guess questionnaire or questions for the book (laughs) Um, which we will turn into an academic article later no yeah but yeah the the book they do they have in the book you find that they all kind of took on their role the role that they needed to be um and that's not, not saying that they were made to do anything that was out of character I think that they kind of came together and found out who they are or you know and who what they're capable of and it turned into something really beautiful so yeah as we get into it we are going to find that out. So mm-hmm. we are covering chapters one through four um, because this book is, let's see how many pages is this book. I think it's almost 500, isn't it? Is it? It's a monster. Yeah. <laughs> she is. She's like, but she's quick. Like, it yeah, take her it's an easy long. read. 496. And anyone out there listening, two things. One, we're trying to keep this spoiler free. And I think the script is pretty good that there aren't too many spoilers, but if you absolutely don't want to know anything about this book, we'll see you next time because it's really hard to talk about the first four mm-hmm. chapters without kind of digging into some things. The second thing is, is I personally just wanted to let everyone know that I downloaded the Audible um, because I started reading and then had some stuff I had to take care of and I couldn't just sit down and read the whole time, which I wish I could, but I couldn't. I mean, the Audible's great and the narrator is amazing. Um, his pronunciation is fantastic. He's actually Korean. It is a quick read, but it's also a quick listen. And it's kind of nice to be able to go back and look in the book and like get the proper pronunciation of things. So just throwing that out there. So what has been your approach to reading the book? Did you read it fast? Was it a slow burn? Um, And have you tried the QR codes or other media? For myself, I've been reading slowly uh, and really enjoying that because I usually devour any Bangtan content so quickly because it's moving so fast. You, it's like you almost like if you don't devour it that minute, you're going to lose it. Be, you know, maybe you'll come back to it in a year because there's going to be so much happening right after that. Uh, so I've really been enjoying that part of it. Um, and I haven't been using the QR codes yet although I'd like to, but I've been listening to the albums chapter by chapter roughly. um, And that has really been deepening my appreciation for the album concepts and their cohesion and how much work went into that and how much vision went into that, um, which I bet will get even stronger in the second half of the book. So I've really been enjoying that. And you were talking about the narration and I I, I really want to hear the audible version now, Um, but I really liked the way it's written. Like we were saying, it's a pretty easy read. It's uh, very cleanly written. And I really 
really liked how the author really glued everything together very nicely and gave a lot of context, but didn't over insert themselves and kind of lets you draw a lot of your own conclusions from the long quotes with the members. So I really, I've been enjoying it. And I've still only read chapters one through four. I've been waiting to dig into the rest. Mine has definitely been a slow burn. And I, and I think that's exactly why, like you put into words, Tanya, why I want to take it like slower is because it the content that we get from them comes so fast that I feel like I don't get to appreciate it. But with a physical book and a pencil so I can highlight and just like sit with it for a little bit, it allows me to I, digest the information. I've been doing the QR codes off and on, just depending on what my schedule is like that day. And so if I have a, a good chunk of time where I can just like sit and watch the videos, then I'll do that. But that's not always how I'm approaching it. It's been nice to slowly read. I will say that. Um, and I've just had other books for work and life that I've needed to read. So I haven't been able to just like sit and go through it. But I've really appreciated it. And it's really, really well written. My mom and family came down this past weekend and my mom was reading it. She's like, oh my gosh, this is really good. And I was like, duh, when are people going to start stop saying that about BTS stuff? Like, I'm sorry, they're amazing. Why don't you recognize this? But neither here nor there then. Um, so it's just been really, it's a great book. I really enjoy it. So just for time's sake purposes, I have been reading this at a slow burn. And that's why I kind of decided to download the audible version because you know well it's like I would have to fold this laundry I want to listen to it at the same time I'm you know in the car would rather listen to it and you know while I'm doing other things because I just want to know more because this is a gift this I feel like this book is really a gift because when I was a new army I would have loved this story this is great for those of us who got here late and so now if you're new here, if you're checking it out, this is a great place to start because I am learning so many things. There are so many stories that I have heard of. There's so many videos that I have seen and I didn't know how all of those fit together. So this book is so great for that. And someone on TikTok, I can't remember the creator, she called it the BTS Bible. And that is like the perfect name for it because it really is. It starts at creation and it takes us to where we are right now, which is fantastic. So for all of those reasons, I'm really enjoying this book. So much so that it looks like this. And what I'm showing is a bunch of little post-its. I even had to crease some pages because I was out of post-its. So because I bought mine on Amazon, no shade at Amazon, I did not, it didn't come with photo cards. So for Christmas, I'm asking for a new one that hopefully will come with photo cards. So I have like a regular copy um, that I can beat up. And then I have, you know, my pristine collector's edition copy um, with my photo cards. And I will say that I have stopped to watch some of the videos. And when I say videos, there's QR codes on most of the bottom of the pages. So whatever they're talking about, you can either get the song or the video. But what happens is if I get a QR code for YouTube, I just keep watching videos. And that doesn't do me any good trying to read the story. And I have also looked on Pinterest for some of the concept photos and there are some I had never seen before so there was like oh the wings concept was new and I was like oh I'll, I let me check that out and then I was like oh never mind I have things to do today I probably should just shut this app down for right now so as we move on as we go on you'll hear about those kind of concepts but yes um, it's been great to do that I just realized the wings concept book that they talked about is out of print but I found links last night. So oh, well, we'll put those in the show notes. So if you're listening and you're curious about it, just check the show notes and you'll be able to see all that material. I think it's funny that when you were saying that you have marked up your book, we all held up our books and they're all like tabbed. <laughs> I have BT21 tabs, I just want to say. Oh, cute. And I actually coordinated them with whose quote it was. Yes. <laughs> now I, I want really to do nerded that. Out. I know, I nerded out big time. Now I color coded mine. So like RM has a color, Sugar has a code. Yeah, they're all color coded. So. I, I didn't go that far, but I did you know take notes and things so yes yeah I ran out of tabs halfway through so I have to go back and like (laughs) I have to fix it but it's it's been really fun just to like sit with something and 
immerse yourself in it for a while. Yes. And also, I cannot stress this enough. What is so great about this is there are actual quotes from Mm -hmm. the members. And some of the quotes really knocked me out because some of it is so unexpected. Like you're like, I did not know that would ever come out of that particular member's mouth. Or I would have never thought that they were worried, nervous, upset about X, Y, Z. So to me, that is so interesting. The other thing is, is like, listen, I know Hobie's my bias wrecker. I get it. But that man is so, has so much wisdom sometimes. Like I'm reading his quotes and I was like, you know, why don't you just write like a inspirational quote book? Because some of these are just, as you read this, you really understand how they make their music and why it's so meaningful. Because however the universe works, however the stars align, all of these really insightful, emotional philosophical humans just happen to be born in the same decade and just happen to want to be in the entertainment industry in South Korea. And somehow they all got together and it is, it's magic. I just, I, I still don't know that I will ever fully come to grips with the fact that this would not work any other way. It's so interesting to me. And I think it's interesting that it really, like, I mean, Leah's talked about this before, like, ultimately, we're OT7, like, ultimately, we love every single one of them so much. But just the way that reading their quotes and their perspectives, like, shifts my perception of them. And Jin, man, he comes for me all the time. I was like, Jin better watch out he's not gonna have my bias record seat after a while like Jin is quickly like moved because he is just so like caring and thoughtful and just taking care of them and yeah he surprises me in an amazing way all the time not that I didn't think he was amazing before this but when you see these different layers of them, it definitely shifts things, or at least it did for me. I was reading this and all of a sudden things were shifting in how I see them and and them as a team. Me too. I always have respected them and thought that they were so intelligent and creative mm-hmm. and good people. But this has really just driven home for me. I mean, there's a lot of collective wisdom there, like you both were alluding to. And the the amount of work that they put into their music and their performance and how thoughtful about it they are. I mean, I knew, but I didn't know, you know what I mean? Like I didn't understand how far it went and how they're so intentional about everything, but I didn't understand how intentional, you know what I mean? It's just all the, the levels, the layers, the depths to which it goes managed to surprise me a lot. So we, know how each member came to BTS is kind of the stuff of legends but was there anything that surprised you about how the members joined when or what their motivations were one thing that jumped out for me was just how quickly Taehyung debuted I mean he was Mm. just he was like he, he thought he was just at the beginning of the process and he and he's like, oh, okay, I'm debuting now. <laughs> you know, that really surprised me. And then in contrast, how many years it took for, for the earlier members. I think for me, it was just how they saw each other in relation to the team and as individuals trying to make this group called BTS. And so, you know, how they would show up for each other and help. I'm going to show you how to go to the dorms or what is my role in this? I think V talked about that a lot. V really struck me just in his perceptions of the group and things like that as I was reading this. Like he didn't know what he was doing there. And that was really really surprising to me that he thought that he was just sort of there but not really contributing a lot and I can't imagine BTS without any one of them but he to me is just a huge piece of it and just that he questioned his time and his space there was really sort of eye-opening and just the care that they had for each other as they were greeting new members helping understand like J-Hope had never rapped before and so RM and Sugar were like okay 
here's rap 101 and here's what you're going to listen to and we're going to make you playlists and we're going to be doing this from the moment you walk in the door we're going to be rapping to each other and that was their job was making sure that everybody was learning what they needed to whenever in order to be a part of this group I think it's crazy that J-Hope never rapped before because he's incredible I didn't know that like I, I knew he was a dancer and he was a like, street dancer but I didn't know that he just had never rapped before. And it kind of makes sense because he also has a beautiful singing voice, which I think a lot of the time, I wouldn't say it goes unnoticed or that it's underappreciated, but it sometimes still shocks me that like, oh my gosh, that's J-Hope singing. Um, because it, his voice just knocks me out, whether he's rapping or he's singing or like, you know, carrying a chorus or something like it's still today. I was listening to Cypher part three in the car today. And I was just like, how does he do that? Because he sounds auto-tuned. He sounds like he has one of those like Bluetooth microphones, like a Tata mic, right? And he's like changing whatever the voice is on it. He's not. It's J-Hope that he can do that, which is crazy to me, like phenomenal. So I do. I really liked those little snippets of the story, how each one of them got there, or kind of questioned why they were there. Are we going to debut? Are we not? Uh, some things that surprised me, I had no idea that Sugar was already a paid songwriter. Didn't know that at all. Thought that was amazing. He was already making his own way in the industry the way that he wanted to. I thought it was really cute that Hobie mentioned that <laughs> Yungi was in his underwear a lot because like that man shows zero skin these days. So I don't know what happened. Um, but apparently in his debut days, he would just walk around the house in his undies. Okay. Can we bring that sugar back, please? (laughs) I think that's where we're headed, apparently. (laughs) Where are those behind the scenes? Where's that long Tom pop? I like, and we'll get to this about their own generated content, but I really wish someone would have had the foresight to like, just be like, we should record every time a new member showed up because I just think it would have been fantastic. Kobe says in the beginning that his parents watch P-Dog like take him into the dorm. And when he talked to them later, they were like, it looked like he was dragging you away. <laughs> like, that, that was is- Yugi, but yeah, yeah. Oh, was it Yugi? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like <laughs> it's <so> amazing. <laughs> like they were um, dragging you into a dungeon or something. Yeah, like in a dungeon. <laughs> but I enjoyed that. I enjoyed reading all of that. I really enjoyed about the rap den, how the rap line just became these teachers to teach the entire group about rap and hip hop. Um, with some big names, you know, they talked about Nas, they talked about I think Notorious B.I.G., I think was one of them that was on there. Um, So that was, you know, really interesting. And I just, again, I said this before, all of these puzzle pieces, and they just fit so perfectly, and it made a masterpiece. And I don't know why I'm surprised, but it's kismet, I guess, is a good way to put it. Like, how does this, how does this happen? It does. It feels like very big and karmic. <laughs> I don't know what else to put it either. Yeah, no, I think this is a lot of things that surprised me too. And kind of getting into our our next question. Of, I mean, it's really, they're all part of one question. How did they become such a tight-knit team was what we were, were going to get into next. One thing that struck me about that building on what you said was just how much they recognized from the beginning that self-sacrifice was going to be necessary to build the team and how willing they were to do that as young, talented men with very different styles and personalities. That took a lot of forbearance and a lot of uh, humility and patience for such young men or just young people in general. And I find that uh, just amazing that they were able to do that. And some of the things that Taehyung said about that in particular, they had some really strong quotes from him about uh, how, you know, it was clear from the beginning how much you needed to be able to mold yourself to the team if it was going to work and how willing they were to do that, despite how incredibly talented they all were and how they could have had solo careers or taken very different tracks. This seems like it's negative when I say this, but I feel like they were almost all individual underdog stories. I think they all individually wanted something that was just outside of their grasp. I don't know that it was really addressed in the book, but when Namjoon did his interview with the art podcast, that was sometime last year, he talked about the first time he had performed. It is kind of in the book um, and how he like messed up his rap, like he was performing and then he like messed up and just thought, okay, I'm done for, 
Um, and he wanted that so badly. He wanted to be a rapper so badly. He wanted to be in hip hop so badly. Um, and he just felt like he had, you know, fumbled that. What really sticks out to me is their desperation, not only to make it as BTS, but as a company. Because what you find, what you learn early on is that Big Hit is two guys in a room, basically. It's like Bang PD and some friends. Um, and they're renting out space, basically. They've had a couple of groups before. Um, they have a group that doesn't quite make it. So Namjoon refers to those first four albums as sweet, bitter, sweet, bitter. And when I think about that, those early years, when they were like the butt of the joke, they were mistreated by the industry and other companies, they got to the point they weren't even sure there was going to be a company. And I just feel like what really got them through, what really, there were a couple of things, one of them being the desperation, but the other being the desperation to succeed, but also the desperation to make music because every single one of these members wanted to make music. Even to the point that like, we know now some of them on some tracks are just songwriters. They get songwriter credit. They're not the one that actually does the performing of the song, but early on and like in their debut I feel like what really set that tone was they did make se those self-sacrifices that Tanya was talking about but because they were so desperate to succeed and they wanted it so badly um, and that there was no other way we just have to do this this is what we're doing and this is what we have to do and it's the only way forward I have a lot of respect for that I think one or more of the rap lane members have said on occasion, something to the effect of doing this kind of work is something that you have to want so bad that you feel like you'll just die if you can't do it, because otherwise it's not worth the hard work and the sacrifice that it requires. And that really, that really says a lot, I think, about how driven they had to be and, and uh, how tenacious. Yeah. I was going to add to that. You learn that they all come from di different backgrounds. Hobie made a comment that he was at a dance school like a kind of a dance program and that his mom could only pay for like a certain part of it. So it was like part of the group, but like not really. And so you get these seven individuals that are from maybe not wildly different backgrounds, but different backgrounds. But I feel like when they all came together and were debuting at BTS, they were all the same. There were zero differences between them and they were all just, like humans wanting to be successful and like individuals wanting to become idols. So like you can talk about, oh, well, this person's family background was this, or this person was doing this, or this person had to do this. When it came to debut, when it came to making music, they were all at the same, they were all at ground zero and they just wanted to fight their way to the top, which they did. To me, that's really amazing. To me, that's like the, really the heart of this book, because like I said, I wish I would have had this book two years ago because I'm learning so much about a group and not that I'm not learning new things about them every day, but this is a great history on how they got to where they are. Jungkook was pursued by other companies. Like he had, he had offers from other people and he saw Big Hit and he saw RM and was like, that's, that's where I'm headed. Did any of the other members go look at other companies or did they audition at other ones? Toby did. He he auditioned oh. at a few places. Yeah. And, but mm -hmm. then, but then I think what in the book says this, and I thought it was interesting too, that I didn't know until I read the book that it was apparently, and maybe still is common for artists to jump from agency to agency and mm. the, that the BTS members are unusual and that they have been so uh, faithful to the company. That must mm -hmm. say a lot about their relationship with P.T. Bong, I would imagine. I, I haven't done my homework properly. I haven't. <laughs> but I think that just sort of like their relationship and how they talk about P.T. Bong is really interesting. But in the early years, BTS was not able to sort of have the resources and benefit from the big three companies that other idols did because they just didn't have the same money and connections. What was surprising as you were reading that part? One thing that really surprised me is I had always thought, oh, well, they were just some kind of a startup and they were must have been a new company. 
And that's why they didn't have any resources and that's why they were struggling. And what I didn't understand until I read the book was that they had actually been very successful with lots of different kinds of artists. They just didn't have the um, knowledge base and the history of developing idol groups. And that was where they were lacking. And I didn't understand that. I didn't realize because they, you know, how the book talks about how um, some of their parents were even encouraging them to join Big Hit because it already had an established reputation was well regarded and would be a safe bet. And so that was very new to me. I didn't get to have that context at all. I thought that was so interesting because they, like you said, when I was reading the first like chapter, because I think the first chapter is the one that talks about that. It was, I was like, oh, I know these artists. These are really well-known solo artists. And then just the the bigger understanding of what it means to support and debut an idol group is a whole nother playing field is like what I took away from that chapter and the book. Um, and they had just come off of that failed girl group. I can't remember the name of it. Terrible. Um, uh, glam. Glam. Yeah. That they had sort of put all of their resources into that group and then it that ship sinked. And so they just didn't have anything left. And I think that what surprised me is just the role that the big companies had simply in their like human power at the company of like, well, we can fill 300 seats at this award ceremony or this event because we have the staff to do so and like you said Megan it was a two-man shop plus those seven boys at the end there there was nine people (laughs) working at you know the the record label and so they didn't have a hundred people that they could send to an event to fill a seat it was just them and that was heartbreaking and just the amount of hate that they got because they weren't a big label, because they thought their success was bought, or like, what did they even think their success was coming from? They thought it wasn't valid because they were from a smaller comp- label. That was really interesting. Two of those things struck me. One was that what Bong PD has done changed like the idol game. And I know people are going to say, oh, that's just because you like BTS. No, because when you read the book, they did idol different back in the day. Idol was singing groups. Um, there wasn't a big hip hop element to it. There wasn't a rock element to it. There wasn't an orchestral element to it. And Bong PD had this vision of a kind of group that he wanted. And he set out to do that. And they don't say this in the book, but I'm sure some of those record people were like, you're crazy. You are going to lose money. I am not backing you. This is going to be a failure. So that right there, like struck me the other thing that really struck me is and I don't know if you guys watched the interview Bong PD was interviewed by CNN like finance in the spring um he received an award and I can't remember what if it was at the Grammys but it was like some type of like achievement and he was talking about when he came to America free BTS debut so about 10 years ago maybe like 11 or 12 years ago and he met with Scooter Braun who is now the head of Geffen And he said in that interview that he had gone to a bunch of different record labels here in the States and people just left him in lobbies or waiting rooms. He had made appointments and nobody wanted to talk to him. And the only person that talked to him was Scooter Braun. And he went and told Scooter Braun what he wanted to do. And Scooter Braun said, that's great. When you do that, call me. So he went home to back to South Korea and was like, okay, this is my vision and this is what I'm going to do. And it's what he did. However, at the time, that's not what the idol scene looked like. And so I knew Big Hit was a startup in the sense of they were a smaller company. um, They didn't have the big backing of like some of the bigger companies. And that, yes, when you look at the older videos, like the studios are very dark and small. Um, There's like parts in the book where like someone hit their head dancing like, oh, we can't jump that high because someone's is going to hit their head, you know, whatever. So I knew those kinds of things. What I didn't know was the pre- the amount of pressure that was on BTS to succeed because otherwise it was a huge gamble for everybody involved, for the company, quote unquote, and for them as artists. So to me, that was what, what was really resonated with me. It was like, wow, not only was Bang PD taking a chance on this type of idol, 
what he basically set the standard for like the new idol machine. But he also was taking a chance with money and like practice spaces and housing. I'm sure we all watched the Satrita episode with Hobie and Yoongi and Hobie are talking about when the company was like, you have to move out. And the rap line was like, we're not. Sorry about it. And they were like, no, really, like you got to vacate the premises. Like we're done here. And they were like, no, you're going to have to figure something else out. And then Yoongi says, and then they got some money and we could stay. That's facts. Like that's, you read this book, that really did happen. So those are the things like reading this book that make me really appreciate this group when they talk about the practice space, the living space, the amount of pressure on them. I think it's Yoongi in the book that talks about going to sleep at night and knowing that like the fate of the company literally is like on his shoulders. And they he, were babies. Yeah. And I was going to say he's 20. 19, 20 yeah. years old. JK was 15. I, that and, and like side note, that real or I don't even know video of him and his big doe eyes at 14 and then him getting the Billboard 100 going around. I swear, reading this book, I just sob. I was like, okay, I, I need to step away because it's so true. Like, he looks so baby and lost. And, but here he is. This is the story of BTS, but it's also kind of the story of Big Hit. And it's really interesting. I would read an autobiography or a biography of Bong PD. Definitely. If anyone is out there thinking that I need, I need some inspiration, Bong PD. Because I I just want to know more. He's an interesting man. That's I mean, we, That's... we talk about their drive and vision, but this would not have been possible without him having just as much vision and drive and also role modeling that, I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. I had, I mean, this is coming from a Western lens. Like I'm a white woman in the United States, but like there were times where I was mad at him. I was like, let these boys eat, get them some food. Do you not recognize the level of burnout that they are experiencing? Very much my lens, but it was very interesting that throughout the book and throughout each of their quotes, it was, and then I talked to Bong PD about this lyric and he gave, he is there through every step, not just... I see this rapper, I see this vocalist, I see this dancer, like he is there like woven in through all of it. And I think that's very interesting and probably why they stuck with with Big Hit. Nam June really melted my brain some months ago when he talked about, you know, how, how, and I'm speaking for myself too, coming from that, that Western white privileged lens how uh, people question was all is all that hard work worth it and all that sacrifice and 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 you're all nodding your heads you know what I'm going to say he talked about how you know they're they are still rebuilding their country and that this is a part of it this is a major industry for them and they are some of the people on the front lines building the Korean economy and building their their country's future and that when he put it together for me, I could see it, but he really melted my brain when he said that. Yeah, it had really helped a lot. And uh, I'm grateful to him for being willing to point that out for those of us who couldn't see it. Yeah, I, that's so important just to put it in that context. And one other thing, sorry, Megan, but I say that all the time at work because I think all of my clients know that I'm a BTS fan at this point. It's no surprise. But I talk about that moment in J-Hope's documentary that he's like, I'm tired. I haven't slept in forever. I'm starving. I haven't eaten. I am at the end. He's like, but I am creating this album and this is what it takes. And I've talked about it before on the podcast. Like we can go through stressful times. We can go through hard times you have to know why you're doing it. And I just, I love that moment in his documentary where he's like, this is hard and I am pushing myself, but here is why I'm doing it. It's definitely different when you have a Western lens and you look at things like hard work and determination and the things that you go through. And we know we have those things here in the West, like that's no different. But from the very limited media I get from Korea, which includes K-dramas, which includes books I've read, you know, we've read some really great books this year by some Korean authors. Hard work and struggle is part of their DNA. And it has been 
for centuries. And when Namjoon said that, it really did put this in perspective of how hard they work and how almost they're happy to do it, right? Like they're happy to push themselves forward if like that's the end result. Part of this, you know, question was if I learned anything about their relationship with Bong PD. And, you know, I think that for all seven members at their core, they're just really good humans who value loyalty and trust. And I think at debut and through debut, they earned and received both from the company and Bong PD and their producers and things like that. And so as they did that, as they grew this trust, I think they trusted Bong PD in a way that they could talk to him about their creativity. They could talk to them about the way they wanted to create their music. And not to like skip ahead, but I am listening. So I'm into chapter five. And there's like this snippet of basically they have written this song and they put the track down and every single member that listens to it hates it. <laughs> so I think it's Jimin is like, I went in and I heard it and I was just like, no, there's no way. And so he's like, but I didn't even say anything. Bong PD could tell by the look on his on my face and he was like oh you hate it too so like he was like I knew I wasn't the only one but at that point they had had the relationship and the trust that Bong PD is going to listen to them as well right like it's a two-way street at this point but I just thought that was really funny and I think they stayed you know like we talked about oh idols could leave and go to other companies or like that happens sometimes and I really think that they just stayed with Big Hit because they couldn't do it without one of the members they just, it doesn't work. That magic doesn't work if you remove one of the members. It There's just no way. And so I think that that's why we have the BTS that we have of today, because it was the only way. One thing we were going to talk about is uh, basically the music, the sound, uh, which I think really defies any kind of genre classification honestly <laughs> they work with so many genres they mix so many genres but they have their own unique sound and so one thing we thought we would talk about is what to you uh, makes that sound unique if it's possible to describe I know it's kind of difficult as you've been reading about their earlier work and listening to their earlier albums the first four in particular how do you connect with that compared to the music that most of us became familiar with first, which would have been maybe more from like maybe 2019 on roughly. And then um, how has reading about the process of their music making and so on deepened your appreciation for the music and for the albums? And just pick any pieces of that that appeal to you. So Megan and I in our chats are just little baby carrots right now. We are slowly going down the slide of 17 and into the Kara fandom and I've been listening to them as a result and BTS is different I love DK with my whole heart I would marry his voice in a second if I could but the sound of BTS is so unique and I think it's because just like reading this book they eat breathe sleep teaching and learning and maybe 17 do too i'm not to discredit the work that 17 has done over the past nine or ten years that they've been around but bts is very different and i think that what struck me in their songwriting process is how each of them were just part of it there was no question it was just like no, we have something to say. Let's sit down and encourage each other. And they were doing it on zero hours of sleep. And you had talked about Sugar had the weight of the whole group and the company on his shoulders, never saw the light of sun, got in a horrific car accident, you know, like motor vehicle accident, and just got up and continued to do it because he had to produce an album that was going to save them and the company. And I think that sort of everybody's involved, everybody gets a voice, everybody has something to say, just totally shines through in the music. 
I was really struck by the level of involvement of all of them in the songwriting process too. I think it's, uh, when I tell people, as I seem to have a compulsion to do that I'm into popular music from Korea or whatever, they, they often have a baseline assumption that all that music is just written by the company and that they're just performers. And you really learn differently when you start to get into things like this. I, this is what I wrote for this question. So I'm just going to read it verbatim. I will keep shouting this for the people in the back. This is not your average boy band, so shut the fuck up. Because it's not. It is not. This is, this is top tier art. This is high concept music that doesn't insult your intelligence. You don't have to be a scholar to love BTS, but you will learn a thing or two about art, about culture, about humanity. And it makes, to me, it makes total sense what older army have a place in this fandom because we are not old dogs okay we want to learn we want education every day we want to keep our minds moving and so yes i like k-pop i like popular korean music whether it's bts today it's txt tomorrow it's 17 it's stray kids a lot of the times these days the rose is having a comeback but BTS is not a boy band. It is an idol group. And I even say that with hesitation because this the, they are musicians. They are artists. This has gone beyond the regular, what we think of a boy band. I was, watch, I was of course, on Instagram because that's where you'll find me most days. And there was a, uh, like a throwback from New Kids on the Block. It's their page and they were showing like oh look at us in like 1990 whatever at a fourth of july barbecue party something and they're singing and i was like oh my gosh that's great like what a throwback whatever and then i was like but like why aren't you wearing matching silk pajamas why aren't you singing about how to save humanity where are the cool color haircuts like what my standards have gone up okay and like i will never forget after the grammys when trevor noah was like they work hard. Like someone and on the show on his show in between like commercials or whatever asked him, like, oh, how was BTS? You got to meet BTS. And he was like, listen, they're professionals. They are good at what they do. They work extremely hard. And like, like some of the boy bands I grew up listening to, like, no shade, but like they need to step it up a notch. And he's not wrong. Sorry, but he's not wrong. And so like I have this argument all the time. People are like, oh my God, how can you like them? Like bleh. I just do. And to back it up a little bit about what makes their sound so unique, I love them because I came into the fandom, didn't really know a lot about them, knew like their really popular songs like Permission to Dance and Dynamite and Butter and that kind of thing. I wanted to get to know them better and I just threw them on Spotify. Pick It was like the Hybe, BTS Hybe playlist basically. And it just went, shuffled a bunch of music. So I heard songs like look here and boys with fun and like silver spoon all out of order I, I didn't know what album I didn't know what timeline I didn't know anything I also didn't have the luxury of subtitles so I fell in love with the sound because it was like a different radio station every new song that came on you know it was R&B it was hip-hop it was funk it was like look here so starts like an alternative rock song like it's kind of amazing that's how I came into the fandom and that's how I fell in love with their music but then as I learned from you all in the group chat these songs had really deep meanings and these songs had really high concept which is fantastic and you can enter this fandom both ways you can be here for the fun of it and the enjoyment and you can be here for the thinky let's you know really learn about humanity and culture and things like that but to me what makes their sound and them so unique is there's just nothing else like it and no shade to any of the other groups like I love the Rose their new song is amazing they sound great I love it I will say my baby carrot status is only because I watch all their like TikToks and reels and like I could not tell you a song they sing okay but I just have a special place in my heart for woozy so like just give me all the woozy content okay like it's fine I'll learn some songs but even like Stray Kids I love Stray Kids totally different sound their rap line is completely different, has a completely different sound. Their music has a completely different sound. That's okay. I like that too. But when you were talking about BTS, 
that's the uniqueness is because they're the only ones that sound like that. They're the only ones that are producing that sound. And to me, I think that's why they got a lot of shade in the beginning, because I can't imagine being an idol of the 2014s, the 2013s, and having these young kids that are rapping and like doing all these dance moves and hitting these vocal lines and going, oh, I'll be out of a job. I'm probably going to be out of a job soon. It must have been very threatening. Yeah. Yes. I feel like that was a big threat was to say, to look at them and go, oh, crap, this is the wave of the future. Like, I'm going to have to step it up. And I think that's why companies as well were probably not happy because it was just a completely different way of doing things. And there's this turning point where you go from these very hip hop based B-boys and their Nikes and their like chains to silk pajamas and like soft sweaters and laying in a bed. And it's like, wait a minute here. What is happening? I like both. Don't get me wrong. Love both. But that also had to be scary and intimidating for other groups because they're like, oh yeah, we got this. It's hip hop. It's this. We're going to wear our Nike forever this. And then they're like, just kidding. Yungi's in pink silk pajamas. <laughs> right. We're going to switch it up. Just, just when you thought you knew what was cool. Yeah. You know, one, one word that really jumped out at me from the book was, especially for those early years, was the word overperformance, that that was like an actual concept that they were going for was overperformance. And I mean, there it is. And that's that stand, that standard raising process that they went through that they blew everybody out of the water with. And then, um, yeah, the, the transition to the silk pajamas, it's like, that was when the most beautiful moment in life part one that al- album that has Yungi's entire soul in it that saved everybody that and that was also when they started to layer all the narrative on with the bts universe and i think this was one of the pivotal turning points in the relationship with army because they created a whole world you could immerse yourself in which is something that we're all still experiencing yeah like going forward you know we want to talk about bts and army because they, they do document this relationship in the book. And I love, there's this part in the book where Jimin talks about the handful of fans that were at the first broadcast. Like six army there, guys. Like, yeah, hats off to them. And I the love way. that like they live rent-free in Jimin's mind. Like, good for you, okay? Good for you, armies, because he still thinks about you guys, which is fantastic. But there wasn't much. And they were getting hate online. And they weren't. they knew they weren't filling these broadcasts right they're going on these broadcasts they're performing on these broadcasts and other groups are having 50 to 60 fans in the audience and they're they have like a row of like six people and then a little later in the chapter Yungi, of course goes for the gut because during a video where they're making gifts for the fans he says i believe they're the reason for my existence these people and he elaborates on that by saying he knows he has the responsibility of the fans to make the music that he makes, but that the fans made him the idol and the musician that he is today. And to me, that is what makes this fandom special because there is a mutual appreciation there between artist and fan. I think anyone who's not in some type of fandom would think it's silly, but I truly believe they appreciate us. I really, from being at concerts and watching content, I really do think that they understand that their success has come from ARMY and from their fans. And I think that's a special relationship. It seems super sincere to me. And I also just love that they love their fans so much, even coming from many of them from a hip hop background and they love their audience, even though their audience is largely female and appreciate and don't disrespect and aren't disappointed that their audience is largely female. And that's, I think that's amazing. Yeah. I, I remember going to shows when I was um, in high school and I, I remember one time my friend just, re- my high school friend just reminded me of this recently. I went to see a band that I loved. I mean, I was obsessed with them. And my friend reminded me, I was so excited, you know, just the whole, you know, just like now the whole world was about getting ready to go see this concert and everything. And they flicked cigarette butts on us from the stage. And she just reminded me about that. I think I had like blocked it out because it was too traumatic. 
<laughs> you know, and, and that just shows you what the difference, what we're dealing with here. They, they regarded us so little, even though we had no money and we spent all the money we had to go see them and buy their albums that they flicked hot cigarette butts on us. So I won't name the group because I still do listen to their music, but yeah. <laughs> if you want to know, a... you can DM me. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I was going to add that that's, that story is crazy, but it brings me to like something that I remembered while I was going through the script that at one of Harry Styles last shows on TikTok, they recorded him talking to a pregnant woman in the audience that had to go to the bathroom. Um, and she's like obviously pregnant and she it was something about like, help me name my baby or something. It was one of those like fate videos anyway. And he was like, are you okay? And she's like, well, I really have to go to the loo. And he was like, we'll go. And she's like, well, I don't want to miss a concert. And he's like, Hey, should we stop the concert for her? So she go to the loo and everyone's like, yeah, you know, whatever. And he's like, okay, hurry up. It's over there. Like go to the loo. And I was like, you know, if that was BTS, they would have escorted her to that bathroom. Totally. They would have made sure security came and got her. They would have showed us a couple videos. They probably would have got her a snack and it's, a chair right on stage like do you need to sit down like it sounds over exaggerated but it's really not like I just don't feel like that's over exaggerated at all because they're like that like I don't know of any I I do know because other k-pop idols do this but prior to being in this fandom I didn't know of any artist that would just go on live and be like so you have any questions for me teach me some swear words like what's your favorite meal what do you like to do like I just Jake has been doing a lot of lives lately, but the one where he was like, I mean, if we ever saw each other in the street, you'd be like, JK, and I'd be like, Army, and then we'd go get a meal together. Listen, true or false? But he really believes that. And we really believe that, right? We really believe that if we like saw them in real life and they were by themselves, like, hey, you want to get a drink? And they'd be like, Yeah, let's go get a drink. Let's talk. It probably it's not, but like right. that's how we feel. You know, that's but the feeling is genuine and that's what counts. Yeah, it's beautiful. I I was saying to someone the other day, they were saying like, oh, you know, he he doesn't love any of us. You know, it's just that we're not individuals to him. But yet but being loved in the aggregate is still love. It's a kind of love. You know, it's genuine. I think uh, it's a like it's just a recognition that like you had said, Megan, like they wouldn't be where they are without us and we wouldn't be where we are without them we continue to grow and develop this relationship based on these interactions that we have and the work that they put in and then the work that we do and helping like stream and support them. And that's appreciation. They see us, maybe not as like Allison who lives in Nebraska, but just like they see us as the fans that have like created this and that that we make space for each other that when we see other army in the world that we're like your army we're in this together like whatever you need let's make sure you get that that we have created this space not only for them but for each other to be like I'm making space for you how can I support you you know I'm wasn't able to make it to one of my Nebraska army friends baby showers just because I had to work She had a whole baby shower of Nebraska Army friends. And how incredible is that? That we're like, yeah, we're going to show up and make BTS-themed onesies for you because that's what you deserve. (laughs) Like, that is what we're here for. And I just think that that, the relationships that we build as Army are also super meaningful and wouldn't exist without the kindness and humility and just like what they put into the world Mm, that is beautifully said now finally we're going to save one of our questions for next time but for the most important question of all what is your hot take on the dumpling incident which starts out chapter four there's more to the dumpling incident than we will ever know we will never know all of the dumpling incident but i think just in the little bit that they pulled back the curtain on was so at the time V was filming a K-drama and you know you talk about this Tanya I'll let you go into a little bit more detail but I think that they just felt all of the exhaustion of all of the work that they had been doing that he finally got a moment of I can be V I can be Kim Tae Young and it felt really good 
and I'm going to leave this set that I am V and that I get to be this sort of identity outside of BTS. And then I'm going to immediately with zero break, zero sleep, zero food, jump into being V of BTS and perform with every fiber of my being and now you want to take my food away from me and I don't think it was entirely literal food I think that there were other things going on but I think that there was just this something that we will never know but they were just at the end of their ropes and the dumpling incident was the culmination of just exhaustion both mental physical emotional and members getting a taste of what does it mean to be me of BTS and what does it mean to be me as my own person in the world? I think giving the context that it was during the filming of Hua Rang and trying to make a new album really sets the tone. I agree with you, Allison. I mean, I don't think we're ever going to know the entire story, but it was kind of nice to know that it wasn't it was about dumplings, but like not about dumplings. And so that makes sense to me. I get hangry. Right. Like I want to bite somebody's head off. He was tired and exhausted. And he basically in the book, it says V wanted to eat during dance practice and Jimin wanted to eat after dance practice. And they got to fight about that because they're both sassy kings. Right. Like they're just going to sass each other till the end. And that's fine. I do have questions about how it lasted for two weeks. But again, what Allison was saying, when you're at your limit, he had been traveling. He was filming Hua Rang, which I don't know 100%, but from what I do know, my limited knowledge, or kind of limited knowledge about K-drama production, they usually film as they're going along. It's not, and I, I can't remember if that one filmed as it was going along or they filmed it all in one chunk, but he was in the process of filming Quarang, so he was flying to wherever that was and then going back to the dorm and having to put in practice and all that stuff. So, I mean, that makes sense to me. They're the same age. They're BFFs. They probably I my husband and I always say this you all you're always mad at the person you love because and the person that loves you because they're not going to be mad at you forever right like you can yell at your love because you know person you love or your partner because they're going to love you anyway and I'm not alluding to anything about them being lovers but what I am saying is that they were besties they were really good friends at the same age they went to school together and I'm sure that they had this com- level of comfort that V thought you're not going to talk to me like that. And Jimin's like, well, we're not eating. And then they just kind of clash. And so it's the famous dumpling incident, but I think it's still infamous. I'm waiting to get this part of the book. It better be in here or somebody really mad because I'm still waiting to find out what Hobie said to Namjoon and Suga at that award show to make them both look at him like that. I don't know what I'm dying to know what the king of judgment had to say because the look that there's so many mysteries in the bangtan sphere that i just need to know about but this was fun this was fun to visit it's fun that they included this in the book thank you i'm glad they did too and they've been they've been answering questions about it a lot more recently army's been so curious about it and uh yeah and i think in addition to what you both have already shared with the filming of huarong also came a new friend group for Taehyung, the the Buga Squad, who we're still very close to. And we've seen a couple of clips from different shows and we'll, where both Jimin and Jungkook had voiced some consternation about him, his um, the intensity of those new friendships. Um, I think it was a little jarring for them, judging from the context of those clips. So uh, it was just, a, it sounds like it was just a hot mess of emotions and, and hard work and exhaustion. So anyway, well, we are short on time and we left out one question, which we can address next time, which is we were going to start to talk about uh, the Wings album and the roots of their solo work, because that was when we just first start to see seven of them doing solo songs and solo performances. Uh, but we'll get into that next time. But Megan has something she would like to unburden herself about about that. And we'll see whether anybody else has any unburdening to do too before we close. <laughs> so there's a part in the book when they start talking about Wings and their, their specific solo songs. And basically it talks about V has to put in some effort to love the song Stigma. And this is the quote from the book. The track featured the kind of jazz vocals he had loved since childhood. 
allowing him to showcase a deeper, heavier voice that he usually used in ensemble tracks, end quote. So of course, I went on Spotify and I looked, found the song and listened to it. I'm so excited for his solo project. V1, if V1 is any sounds anything like stigma, if it sounds anything like singularity, if it sounds anything like dimple, y'all, we're in for it. We are in for it. So if you're listening right now and you are not familiar with those songs, when you hear him on stigma, done. Like I've heard stigma before. I went in with a different lens. I went in the lens of what am I getting from V1? What am I getting from the solo debut? And then I was like, oh, well, we are in for it, if that's what it's going to sound like. So that was my only, that was my last little bit that I just wanted to add here, because who knows, the next time you hear us, we could have V1. Things are happening right? very fast. <laughs> yes. And we are, as you say, we are not prepared. <laughs> wow. Yes. Agree. A hundred percent. Allison, any, anything you need to get off your chest? I think just like you saying things are happening really fast made me realize that it is the end of July 2023 and theoretically they will all be in in the next five months and that feels really heavy (laughs) so I'm just gonna read read my BTS bible I'm gonna listen to stigma a few times (laughs) I'm gonna just sit with where we are now and soak it in so that we can prepare for what's to come. That's weighing on my mind too. Cause yeah, you can feel the year we're at the half well past the halfway point. Now things are winding down. Uh, and the only good thing about it, we're going to have like, who knows what they're going to release during those six months or more that everybody's gone. But the nice thing is after about six months of everybody being gone, Jin and Hopi are going to be our nannies and that is going to be a blast. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to that. And then the only thing I wanted to unburden myself about is that uh, Monday, I think, is the one year anniversary of Hobie Palooza. So I'll be lighting the candles in my shrine and I'm returning to Lollapalooza to go see the rose. So that'll be a fun way to I'm celebrate. Yeah. So excited for you. I'm, excited I'm too. Can't wait. beyond excited for yeah. you. That is so exciting. So have the best thank you yeah thank you thank you so much all right everybody so uh thank you for sticking with us and we have one word for all of you which is see you next time can't get enough of bts cool neither can we so between shows why don't you hop on over to at afternoon army on instagram and join the conversation want to support us as a newer podcast hitting the scene great Share the love by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And last, but certainly not least, don't forget to check out the other pod in our network, Afternoon of Delight, K-drama deep dives from three romance authors with new episodes dropping every Wednesday.